And we welcome you to this special edition of the Black and Go Banneret Podcast. It's bowl game preview. Coming up, we'll be preview. It's it's that Tampa takeover. It's UCF and Marshall, the rivalry that some people was trying to make it renewal, but really wasn't a rivalry. Uh, we'll talk about that game uh, as they'll start, of course, on Monday at 2.30 at the Gasparilla Bowl. I'm Eric Lopez filling in for Jeff Sharon, who is under the weather because it's not it hasn't stopped raining in Orlando. Um, personally, I think he is out because he's bummed out because the college volleyball season ended uh, over the weekend with Stanford winning another national title. Very predictable in volleyball. So I think he's out. But I'm happy to report he's after a one show absence where he decommitted from doing the show because he was driving to Tampa, getting ready for bowl coverage. It's been the most talked about return to a show uh, all weekend. Nobody stopped talking about it. And I'm not talking about Eddie Murphy going to SNL. No, it's bigger than that. It's Brian Murphy's back on the banner, Ed, sir, and he's live from Tampa getting ready to cover the Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, Murph, how you doing? That's a, that's quite an illustrious introduction there. Uh, yeah, um, I'm doing great, Eric. It's been a fantastic five days out here. Wait, no, I've only been here two days. It feels like five. <laughs> uh, but but it's, it's, been, it's been fun. It's been fun. Well, I'm glad. Just uh, did you watch Eddie Murphy by by chance uh, on SNL returning first time since 1980 in the mid 80s? There, where do you? He was a cat. Yes. Yeah, so I didn't get back into my hotel. This is like totally like people are like now like listen to this podcast and like wait, they started the show talking about Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I guess we are. Uh, I didn't get back into the hotel until uh, weekend update. So the first thing I saw was the Gumby sketch, which I which I did enjoy quite a lot. That's yes. So was. Hit the old hits there, so you missed the part where you actually cussed on live television by accident. Okay, good. Ah, uh, the old that, that the old favorites. So please don't curse on this show. Coming up, <laughs> uh, darn. Uh, we'll see if Murph got some material. We got UCF Marshall. Uh, what threat do the Thundering Herd bring to UCF? We'll talk about that. We'll also discuss who's going to play in this bowl game. There's a little mystery about some players if they're going to play or not uh, for the Knights. What's at stake for UCF in this game? Uh, that's all coming up and much more on this special edition of the Black and Go Banneret podcast. Of course, you can check us out at blackandgobanneret.com uh, with all the latest content and written articles. Of course, lots of coverage on Monday about the bowl game. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. You can like us on Facebook as well. Let's get going. All right, Murph, you mentioned you've been there now a few days. UCF arrived to Tampa on December the 19th. It was the day after signing day. They've been there. They've been to Bush Gardens riding roller coasters, have the players. Uh, they've been doing dance and uh, sing-alongs and a bunch of stuff. It's Tampa. It's what, what else is there to do? Um, yeah. As they prepare for this bowl game against the Marshall Thundering Herd, what has been the vibe uh, around uh, this bowl game here for UCF from you covering it here in the few days? Well, I think the, the, the one thing we want to try to find out, even though it's like pulling teeth in, in these media access you know, that we have, is UCF, are the players really focused on this game? You know, just, and we're trying to read body language and sort of being like amateur psychologists at this point, like with like parsing their answers. But we really want to find out, like, is UCF, is UCF up for this game? I mean, this is a team that obviously had aspirations of another New Year's Six Bowl, and now they're ending up just down the road from their home stadium, playing in, playing in I would say, the, the quirkiest bowl name uh, that there is against a, a G5 team 
So I, I, I just, I think the speculation is, you know, is, is UCF ready for this? Do they want this? And I do feel like a couple of players have been uh, more so than just giving us coach speak this year, uh, this week. I think Anthony Montalvo, who's a Tampa native, the only Tampa native uh, on this team, was asked about, you know, what does it mean to win this game? Do you feel like you guys have something to prove? And he basically said they, they do because it proves that if they win this game, that, quote, we're still here. And I think for those kind of guys who are coming back next year, the, the sophomores and juniors and freshmen guys are coming back, they, I think one of the main driving forces, the motivations for, for winning this game is to show that just because UCF had a season that didn't meet expectations for many of the fans and the players, they're not going to give up. They're not going to give up on this year, and they are still very much focused on being better next year. And I think they know that next year starts now. Yeah, there's been a couple of trends I've noticed from the media availabilities. One, trying to win ten games in a season, uh, trying to become the first uh, first time ever UCF has what would win ten games in three straight seasons. Josh Heupel mentioned that, so that seems to be one of the motivational uh, carrots, if you will, that they're using to motivate themselves for the bowl game. And then the other one that I found interesting, Murph, is quote-unquote playing a de facto home game, calling this their own their other home. Uh, you asked Marlon Williams about that. Oh, yes, I did. I don't know if we're cutting to a clip here. See what happens when you miss uh, an episode. You forget all your cues there. Yes, I know. Wrote, I, I, forgot, I forgot my cue. So you wrote about uh, this yes, on I Black did. and Go Benerated, which, which was the home field for UCF, which included your converse, uh, question to Marlon Williams. Well, yes. And look, there, let, let, to be frank, there is not a whole lot of juice. As I said in the article, there's not a whole lot of, of storyline in this game, in this game particular, between these two sides, that really captivates you. So you try to find these different angles that maybe lead to something more entertaining. And thank goodness for Marlon Williams, and then thus Greg McRae uh, yesterday for you know just taking a question that they could have easily shot down. You know, which was, do you find it weird that you're playing in you're, you're ending your season in the in your rival's home stadium? You know, USF plays at Raymond James Stadium. And they could have said, like, yeah, it's a little weird, but, you know, we're just focused on Marshall and blah, blah, blah. They could have done, they could have done that. So I, I really appreciate and uh, thank Marlon Williams for definitely not doing that and totally going full out and saying, no, nah, it, it's a little weird, but it's okay because this is our town. And uh, he then reiterated that, yes, Tampa's our town. We're always the home team when, when we play down here. So it's nothing, it's nothing any different from our usual game at USF. I thought that was fantastic. It was brilliant. Gave us some, uh, some content, some, 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 just a, a spicy quote. And then Greg McRae followed up with that uh, yesterday on Saturday because I asked him if he agreed with Marlon. I asked him if he agreed uh, if Tampa is indeed our town. And he goes, yeah, I do. Some teams can't win here, so we will. I am here 100% for all the messiness that, uh, that that this provides. I love it. I think it's, I mean, UCF has the right to talk smack right now. They've, they've owned USF the last three years. They dominated them uh, last month in the Black Friday game. So I just think it's fun, you know, because we don't really see players and coaches say this type of stuff usually. So when we get it, it it's, it's like, you know, nectar from the gods. 
Um, but yeah, really fun that the UCF is down here in Tampa and still taking shots at the Bulls. Yeah, it's been pretty interesting. Let's play the clip here where you asked Marlon the question and he answered it uh, the way he did, which uh, really was amusing. Is it at all that you will be ending your season in the home of your rival, USF? <laughs> yeah, it is weird. But, you know, this is our town, so it's okay. This is your town? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you basically be the, the home team. Oh, yeah, we've been the whole team. Yeah, you know, we come down here, we are the home team. Yeah. So nothing different from a usual game at USF? <laughs> nothing. All right, that was Marlon Williams with Murph uh, answering that question. Uh, do you think the coaches have brought that to the players' attention about, hey, you know, let's make this a home game? Let's, you know, they. I think South Florida only won one home game uh, this past year against an FCS opponent. I'm, I'm, two games actually. They beat BYU. They, they've clearly they've struggled at home. They and UCF won their last year at USF uh, a couple of years ago. They're going to play at USF in 2020. I have a feeling this might this might be brought up again. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but what do you think about these two motivations, the 10 wins and playing your home? Do you think that's been strategic there, inserted in there? I think it gives you something to shoot for, right? Like, you know, you, you want you, – if, if you want a tangible – you know, object, uh, some sort of answer as to what are we really playing for? Well, I mean, you, you, if you win, you get a nice big round fat number, a uh, round number. Uh, and let's be honest again, this has not been achieved by many programs over the past few years. I mean, again, UCF can, can, we can complain about the not meeting expectations this year, but the fact, the fact is that the teams that have only the teams that have won at least 10 games the last three years, or basically your cream of the crop, your Alabama, Oklahoma, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, uh, Notre Dame, Boise State. That's the list of teams that have reached double-digit wins in the, each of the last three seasons. So you should put themselves in that class. Um, and I think that's something that they probably know by now. Maybe it's been brought up. Maybe they found it out on their own. But I think they know that they win this game. They're, they're in that. Actually, I do know because Eiffel has actually said it explicitly. He actually was starting naming off teams who have won 10 games three years in a row. So, yeah, I think they know, and I think that they're using that as kind of a key motivation for this game. But it, will it be motivating enough for everybody to play? Not necessarily, Murph. Uh, now we've had Gabe Davis announce on Instagram he's turning pro, and thank you, CF fans. We've had Adrian Killings on Instagram and social media thank the UCF fans for their support and everything, saying goodbye. That seems to make us believe that they're they're not going to play. But Josh Hypo wouldn't have any of that because you would ask him and other people have asked him. And what what was his response? We'll get to it later in the week. And then then the last availability, which was uh, Saturday, yesterday, we asked him one more time. He goes, we'll 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 answer tomorrow. Well, tomorrow is now today, and there's no media availability. Oh, what a today. coincidence. What a coincidence. What a, what a shocker. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that was when I saw that. I'm like, great. That's good. Um, just led you guys on. Um, so now as a result of this, media people like you, Mr. Murphy, that will, will be now on, uh, I would imagine, on special alert when you get to down to the field with warm-ups and you'll be keeping your eyes on who's dressed, who's not dressed. And <laughs> it would be an, and probably uh, those first couple of series will probably be interesting just because you're wondering who's on the field and who's not, right? Sure. I, I will say, you know, so I think what's funny about all of this too is that 
everyone who's asking Heifel this question about, you know, who's playing and the update on this guy, we know pretty much who isn't playing in this game. We, we just need him to confirm it. Uh, so I'll just say this. I would not expect Gabe Davis to play. I would not expect Adrian Kellen to play. I would not expect Brendan Hayes to play. I would not expect Navelle Clark to play. Uh, those guys, I've not seen them here. Uh, I heard whispers that Brendan Hayes might be a little injured. Um, but anyway, those are the guys that really you should not prepare yourself to see on the football field on Monday. Uh, and then obviously we know that Brandon Wimbush declared on a podcast that he won't play in this game either. So, um, so yeah, I think the over under on UCF players, um, skipping or sitting out this game is, is around five or five and a half. I think I know which five those are and, uh, we'll see if there's any other surprises tomorrow. Yeah, they're going to have a hard time replacing those one or two plays for Brandon Winbush. I don't know who's going to step up in that role. Um, all right, so let's say those players don't play. Which one's the bigger loss for this bowl game that uh, might affect this game actually more than uh, others? I think it's probably – it's weird to say. I think it might be Brennan Hayes because I feel like even – okay, you take Gabe out, right? I, I, Gabe is huge. He's, he's a stud. Everyone understands. You know, everyone, everyone gets why he's declaring early for the draft because – he should be a, a top three round pick, um, but I but offensively doesn't UCF have enough probably to beat this pass defense? I mean they probably do uh, with Jacob Harrison, Trey Nixon, uh, and Otis Anderson and uh, Marlon Williams. So I think they probably have enough receivers to cover that. I, I'd just be interested to see without Brendan Hayes in there. You know Marshall really relies on its run game, and we can talk about Brendan Knox, the Conference USA MVP, led the conference in rushing this year. A total workhorse back at six foot, two hundred twenty-five pounds, uh, who had thirty-three carries in the season finale against FIU. He's had about twenty-five carries per game over the past seven or eight weeks. So Marshall's going to run the ball, and you're going to need your run defense to really be on point. And so losing a guy along the defensive line, I think that may be most concerning, uh, most of all. And we'll see, you know, how you could, you know pick, picks up the slack there. But I think that's the one position where I'll be watching pretty closely. Yeah, it is going to be interesting there. And and the thing is, I'm, I I don't have a problem with players skipping bowl games. Uh, they are exhibition games. They got to do what they got to do. And I I don't, yeah. you know, to me, if I was a coach, I wouldn't even be that bothered by it because I it would give other players opportunity to play. And players, probably they're going to have an impact on your team the following season. So I, I think you can do some different things as a result of it, no? Certainly. And they, we've asked uh, coaches about that, and they – Obviously, they're not very forthcoming with what the plans are, but I think we all understand that with these the vacancies and also because it is an exhibition, it really does allow you an opportunity to get some younger guys a little bit of playing time, perhaps. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think it's certainly within the realm of possibility and, you know, and probably should happen because, again, what are we talking about here? We're talking about a win. I get that. But it is also a, the gas rollable versus Marshall. I mean, it's not a New Year's Day six ball. Well, Josh Heupel, of course, is leading UCF to their second bowl game in a row under Josh Heupel, looking for his first bowl win as head coach at UCF. Of course, coming off the loss to LSU in the Fiesta Bowl, you realize, Murph, with the if, if UCF were to get a win here, Josh Heupel would be tied for the second most bowl wins by a head coach at UCF. Wow, what a build a statue, huh? huh? Tied with Scott Frost, who has a bowl win in Atlanta, which you were there, Murph. You've seen that one. 
Uh, George O'Leary is the leader in the uh, clubhouse with three. So we haven't had a lot of bowl wins. Uh, but that's what Josh Hypo is looking to accomplish, and he may, may lose some of the players. Uh, earlier this week uh, in Tampa, he was asked about his thoughts about players skipping bowl games. Of course, Josh Hypo played at Oklahoma, national champion. Uh, of course, been a coordinator. He's been around college football now for a while as a player and as a coach, and he addressed the, the question about his thoughts about players now skipping bowl games in today's day and age of college football. Country, I, I think, you know, um, right? I mean, 10 years ago, that didn't happen, right? Um, I, I think guys are, you know, uh, trying to protect themselves in some respect. And, and uh, I think bowl games are a great opportunity, right? I mean, bowls, you know, whenever they started, right? And, and a large respect just dealt with giving kids an opportunity to go experience a, a different culture, a different place, and a different experience. And I still think that's a huge part of, of, of the bowl season, right? And a great opportunity to go spend time with the, your teammates and, and have a growing experience. That was Josh Heupel in Tampa there answering that question. What was your – you were there. What was your reaction to that answer? I thought it was fascinating. He's like, hey, look, players got to protect themselves. But then he kind of went off on this lengthy talk, uh, deal about how what bowl games mean and the bond and a special thing. I got the sense he can't say it publicly and he can't go – because, you know, when you're recruiting stuff, you always got to be pro player. But I, I kind of feel like he's kind of like Nick Saban in a way. that I don't think they're real thrilled about the, if secretly about players skipping bowl games. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I I do feel like he comes. I mean, he's a he's a coach, right? I mean, yeah, he used to be a player, and we all understand that. But he's a coach now, and he and so coaches want certain things, and what coaches don't like to see, even though you know that you know uh, they can say all the right things about players taking care of themselves. Coaches would like to have their players available. That's all. I mean, it's all it's all it's about. And so, I, I, but I I don't want to project that that he is totally against it. I just think that he's coming from a mindset that is understandable. He wants his guys available because he, you know he's supposed to be their coach. That's all. I, I wouldn't really uh, uh, make too much of it. Right. So you you think it's more of a game day thing? It'd be no different than a player that's not available on a, on a regular season game. It's more of yeah, you know, I'd like to have everybody available type of thing. Yeah, because I mean that, that's 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 his fair. job. Yeah. Okay. I mean, no, that's a good yeah. answer. That's a good. See, that's why you're covering this team uh, in Tampa. They're beautiful. How's the weather been, by the way? Uh, not great. I mean, the temperature's fine, but it rained. It rained all day yesterday, and it's probably going to rain a lot today as well. They've called off today's pep rally. Oh no! So uh, yeah, because oh. because of the impending weather. What are so, we uh, do? I mean, so yeah, you know, that's it's a huge tradition in Bowl Week. Um, so the UCF could be potentially shorthanded uh, with some players not playing in the bowl game. And shorthanded in the coaching staff. Of course, Jeff Levy, the offensive coordinator, moved on to Old Miss last week. He'll be the offensive coordinator for Lane Kiffin and company up in Oxford. Josh Heupel addressed that uh, earlier this week about Jeff Levy departing. And what does that mean? As Murph asked him here about, well, what does that mean with the Jeff Levy and the, and the impact on the offense and what he does? Here's Josh Heupel. I'm excited for Coach Levy, man. Great opportunity for him. He gets an opportunity to, to go lead it and, and call plays. Um, you know, he's quarterback coach here, first year, gave him a title. The second year has been a big part of what we've done. Excited for him. Yeah, the time talking about having him available for this bowl week, and, and, and you know, I think the big, the big thing, right, is <clears throat> the reason I, right, that uh, he was in the quarterback room, mm -hmm. right? I'm in there every single day with those guys. Uh, is it on game day, right? His eyes were a big part uh, for me, right? Um, ground level versus, um, you know, eagle, eagle uh, 
vision. You know, what I mean, seeing everything from from over the top. Um, you know, in, in that respect, uh, that'll be the big thing that we got to uh, fill on game day. How do you Josh, think you made Dylan? There's Josh Heupel, and of course, you heard that ep- uh, question was asked by Murph. Uh, so, Murph, what, what do we know there now with no with no Jeff Lebby, uh, with Jeff Lebby out now moved on to Oxford? What? For this game, what what is UCF planning on doing with Josh Heupel, and what was your reaction as far as the impact of the loss of of, of Jeff Levy? Well, it seems like nothing changes. I mean, that really, that is sort of the the, the thing that 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 Heupel wants to convey here is that you know, yeah, you know, he was he was, in, he was he was in the QB room and he was instrumental to the offense, but you know, Josh Heupel really wanted to make sure everybody knew that he had a big part in all of this too. And he was in that QB room too, and he's the one calling plays, not not Jeff Levy. So um, I, I feel like after a while, he got kind of sick of answering questions about Jeff Levy because he really wanted to say like, "Yeah, nothing changes, guys," because I, I'm still calling plays, I'm still talking to the quarterbacks. Like, we just have one fewer voice in the room. It was it was it was an interesting uh, few minutes with him talking about Levy, even in Tampa today when, uh, or not not today, but earlier this week, someone asked uh, Josh. What's the impact of, of, of Levy leaving? What's the impact of him leaving uh, with the play calling? And Josh just goes, I've called him all year. And like, that was it. That was the entire answer. Um, yeah, I, I think the impact is probably not a whole lot, especially Josh pretty much wants you to know that everything's fine because he's still here. Yeah, I found that interesting. There was even that follow-up question after where they, uh, they asked about uh, – Dylan Gabriel and the impact of his improvement and things. And he got even like, yeah, I've already, you know, he answered it. And then he's like, oh, I've already talked, I've talked about that enough. You know? <laughs> it was, yeah, it was weird. Like, I mean, the question was so harmless. Right, it was a harmless like, question. Like a very honest, yeah. it's a fair question. How does, like, right, I mean. Basically, 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 it was how does your, how has your QB coach, Jeff Levy, made your QB, Dylan Gabriel, better? And it seemed like Heibel didn't know how to answer it or didn't want to answer it. And, you know, like you hear on the clip, he just goes off on like, well, you know, we're, you know, all our coaches help our players. Like, what? What is happening? What? <laughs> uh, so, so there, I wonder how much you think is because, hey, look, we got it. We're showing that yes, Jeff Levy is important, but uh, we're fine because he's now he's now at Ole Miss. You know, from a recruiting standpoint, it's like that's no big deal. Um, and how much of it he just wants to show, hey, man, I'm in control here. No, nothing to worry about. No big deal. And we're gonna get a new quarterback coach, but uh, nothing changes. Everything's fine. I mean, it's just that's I guess the the message that we should get from that, no? Yeah, but I do think you know it wasn't really brought up by Heupel, but I do think if there was one thing that Levy was was good at, and uh, I think maybe may may have an impact going forward, is is the recruiting. He was a a good recruiter. Um, it, you know, it's funny you saw that the day that you know he commits to the day that he signs with Old Miss, uh, UCF loses a wide receiver recruit. And then a couple of days later, you know, one of the one of the quarterbacks that UCF was after, who had met with Heifel when he who had met with Levy when he was still at UCF, uh, he actually ends up signing with Ole Miss uh, a few days later. So um, I, I, I do think there's, that's something that maybe we haven't explored a lot with Heifel, but I think that is the the one thing, if anything, that people or that this program will be hurt by in some sort of quantitative measure is that. You know uh, that Levy was a pretty good recruiter. Not sure he will ever go into detail on that one, Murph. At least not on the anytime soon, though. Uh, so you might uh, no. 
be disappointed on that. Uh, so that's yeah. kind of the UCF as they get ready for, of course, the Gasparilla Bowl at 2.30. They do have an opponent, by the way. And coming up, okay, that's the rumor. That's the rumor I was told, I've was i heard. I've read reports uh, on Black and Gold Banner and other outlets. There is an opponent in this game for UCF. <laughs> and when we come back, we're going to talk about that opponent. Who Who is Marshall? That's the rumored opponent. Are they there? Uh, we'll tell you about that when we come back. Plus, later on, uh, we'll talk about how important of a bowl season is this for the American Conference. Uh, here's a hint. They're not off to a good start. <laughs> uh, we'll discuss that. Plus, who are the possible NFLers that Marf might run into and uh, get to hang out with at the bowl game on Monday? We'll discuss all of that. Plus, your favorite Marshall UCF memory game. All that coming up on this special edition of the Black and Gold Banneret. They're very talented, number one. And, uh, you know, I heard uh, Lane Kiffin say after they played them, they thought it was like playing an SEC team. And, uh, you know, you watch them, and that's what they look like. They have great skill and, and uh, got a young quarterback who's a freshman that's really a talented guy. So it would be a great challenge for us. But, uh, you know, one we'll, I know our kids and coaches look forward to. And welcome back to this special edition of the Black and Gold Banneret. By bowl preview here as we preview UCF's Gasparilla Bowl. I'm Eric Lopez here in the studios. Brian Murphy out in Tampa with covering the uh, bowl game for UCF there in Tampa, covering the Knights. That man you just heard at the intro there is Doc Holliday, the Marshall head coach talking about UCF and mentioning that Lane Kiffin compared him to an SEC team. Uh, Doc Holliday leading the Thundering Herd, who, of course, are back at the Gasparilla Bowl. They were here last year. They beat South Florida in the bowl game. Uh, of course, Marshall coming over from Conference USA. UCF and Marshall have a long history in that regard in that they played in the in the same conference in the MAC when UCF was in the MAC from 02 to 04. And, of course, when UCF was in Conference USA from 2005 to 2012. Of course, uh, Murph... The Marshall Thundering Herd. What? Not a lot of talk about who Marshall is uh, as far as uh, the opponent is much concerned. Uh, what has stood out to you? What's your thoughts on the opponent, the Marshall Thundering Herd, now that you've had some time to kind of dissect them a little bit? Well, I think it's a team that, that plays really well on defense. We, we talked. I talked about Brendan Knox and, and sort of how they want to go ground and pound uh, with their offense. But, you know, defensively, uh, really solid on the, on the ground, and, and, and overall, just a pretty stellar unit. So, you know, it, it's not going to be – I don't think it's going to be someone that, you know – I know you have the big favorite in this game, uh, but I, I don't see this being an, this being an opponent that I think you have going to just trounce. I think, I think this, this, this team, while not spectacular in any one facet, um, is pretty good at all levels of defense, passing and rushing. Um, so I, I don't see, I, you know, I see a fairly, I guess, low scoring game. I think the over under 61 and a half, I might take the under, I know that's dangerous, but I think I might. Uh, and, and I just don't see a defense that's going to be just willing to let you do whatever it wants. Um, so I think that's one thing that stands out because I think people look at this, look at the name and go, well, you should, you should have to pressure. Um, I don't know that. I don't think it's going to happen. I think, I think this team is a, a, a lot better than maybe we'll give it credit for. Wow! Look at you. so you're that's interesting. They went eight and four this season. Interestingly, they had the most all conference selections in Conference USA. It was not FAU, who of course won the league. Uh, it was Marshall, who had eight at first team all conference uh, members in Conference USA. 
led by yeah. the running back that you mentioned, Brandon Knox, as well as offensive lineman Levi Brown, defensive lineman Shannon Hames, linebacker Tavante Beckett, defensive back Chris Jackson, and their kicker, uh, Justin Rovers, and their punt returner, Tyleek Keaton, as well as their long snapper. So they've got a pretty good snap, uh, special teams as well, and I only bring that up because – UCF at times have had some hiccups in the special teams when it comes to kickoffs, um, you know, and things like that. I think that's stuff that always gets lost is the special teams. And if you're Marshall and you want to pull this upset, you got to dominate the special teams, and they've got a dangerous punt returner. UCF's gonna have to be careful with. Yeah, well, and you know what, what's interesting is so you know I talk about Marshall stats and they're pretty good across the board. However, however. Uh, kick re- kickoff return defense. There's something to keep in mind. I don't know if this is going to pan out because it's just kickoffs. It'll be touchbacks. We'll see. Kickoff return defense. Eric, do you know how many teams are in the FBS Division One? Oh man, right off the top. 100, it's 130. Yeah, 100, okay. 130. Kickoff return defense. You want to guess where Marshall ranks? Oh boy, in that stat. 125. It's 130. Oh, hey, so, they, they, hey, well, if you're going to be bad, you might as well be all the way bad. <laughs> they, give about, they give about 29 yards per kickoff wow. return. Wow. So they better, hope, they better hope that everyone's a touchback or that they do maybe these little pooch punts, these little pooch kickoffs in the, inside the 20 that lead to fair catches. Because if they do let, you know, the, the guys back there for UCF, you know, catch uh, these kickoffs, and, and we'll see who they put back there. You know, obviously we'll not have killings in this game, but, We'll see. They're going to have speed back there, regardless. Uh, that could be a game changer, certainly. Um, we, you know, we've seen it what Otis Anderson does in the punt game, but uh, I think it's just something that, that's worth that's worth watching. I mean, we literally are facing the worst kickoff coverage unit in college football. The FBS might be better off kicking the ball out of bounds <laughs> if that's the case. Pretty good um, at the forty. Um, what I find interesting about it, I mean, this team is pretty good up front. We mentioned uh, Levi, you know, Levi Brown was first team all conference offensive lineman. Offensive uh, Kane Madden was second team all conference. The reason I bring this up, uh, you know, and, and then you know, look at defensive lineman like Shannon Hames. When UCF has lost this season, and there are three losses, I think we, you would agree, Murph. One of the the uh, you know themes in those losses has been outplayed in the line of scrimmage. Uh, the yeah. Pittsburgh game, certainly in the Cincinnati game, and even the Tulsa game too, uh, as well. So I think that's the interesting thing. Marshall is going to try to be physical up front, try to shorten the game, dominate the time of possession with their star running back, Brandon Knox. How concerned is this for a UCF line of scrimmage, both in the offensive line and in the defensive line, which at times has struggled this season? Well, it's, it's concerning insofar as if this game remains close, uh, and you kind of allow Marshall to sort of do what it wants to do, which is sort of pound away at you with this battering ram running back. Um, so, you know, it, we talk about it all the time, right? But, like, you got to get off to a fast start. You need to put them behind the eight ball. You know, if UCF gets up 14 nothing in the first quarter, then we might have a runaway on our hands. However, if this is like a, a seven-point game going into the fourth quarter, you, 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 then you, you leave yourself wide open for Marshall to just sort of pound away at you with Knox and wear you down. And if they can get a stop on defense, they control the clock uh, and they keep the ball. I just that would be maybe a little scary. Even if UCF was leading into the fourth quarter, if they're only up by one possession, I think Marshall would take that. So that's just you know something to watch because I feel like you know. 
this UCF defense, we've seen them getting worn down late in games before. I've seen them, you know, quote unquote, underachieve against offenses they should have beaten. And this is not a, this is not a dynamic offense. It's really not. But uh, but but you know. They have to make sure they come out and establish authority first. If they don't, then it could be problems later on. Brandon Knox rushed for 1,312 yards, averaging 5.3 yards a carry, 11 rushing touchdowns this year for the Herd, who uh, <clears throat> ran for 2,347 yards as a team. That's 195 yards a game Marshall has yeah. averaged this year. Boy, it, so which means I would think Randy Shannon on the defensive side, the game plan is going to be to try to shut down the run and make Marshall pass the football. And their quarterback, Isaiah Green, who completed 57% of his passes this year, he's averaged about a buck 88 throwing, 14 touchdown passes for him. But what's interesting is Isaiah Green is a is a you know, could do both things, could throw and can run. He's actually rushed for 281 yards. He's third on the team in rushing the football. Uh, he's you know he's averaged about seven to eight carries a game, so he's a little mobile. But I would imagine that's going to be UCF's game plan is shut down the run and make Marshall, uh, you know, be uncomfortable in third and longs and make them beat him through the air. Absolutely. Again, if you can get Marshall in the passing situations, you are, you are, you're, you're living right. You know, that's why UCF needs to come out and score first, score early and, and go on top and uh, go from there. Because if they don't, then again, it's just going to be Brennan Knox, Brennan Knox, Brennan Knox, up to 30 to 35 times possibly in this game. Armani Levius is their leading receiver. Uh, nearly five, only 486 yards. Not a big threat receiving wise. 43 catches. Like I said, they don't throw the football as much. So uh, they're going to be dependent. No. Of course, Murph, I kind of have bad flashbacks to about a year ago when you were in Glendale. And I felt like, hey, let's stop LSU's running game and make this Joe Burrow guy beat us in the air. Um, little did we know. <laughs> well, as long, I guess, as long as uh, one of our defensive linemen doesn't nearly decapitate Isaiah Green. <laughs> Then, then we'll be fine. Because if that happens, he might shake himself into being oh, a great quarterback. Oh my goodness, it's that's uh, still kind of wild to kind of reflect on that. Um, it is not uh, it, a little bit there. Uh, so that's their story for Marshall's offense. And then you mentioned their defense. You know, it's always interesting. Marshall, even when UCF used to play them, they always had good defensive front players. Uh, I remember Vinnie Curry uh, stood out, who's played in the NFL for Marshall, among sure. other things. Uh, you know, can they put pressure on Dylan Gabriel? Can they slow down UCF's running game? I think is going to be some of the other factors here as well. And I think it's a challenge for this UCF offensive line, which uh, has maybe has been a bit of a let a disappointment this year. We certainly have seen games in which this offensive line, for some reason, either because we, you know we've, we've heard explanations of just not communi- not good communication or just bad technique, or sometimes guys. You know, there's even been some talk about guys not giving their full effort for the entire game. Uh, yes, we've seen this offensive line break down. And, and that really can't happen against, obviously, this team. You know, a team that ranks third in the conference in sacks. Uh, Devontae Beckett runs all over the field at linebacker, leads the conference in tackles. Darius Hodge is their leading sack man. He, he's got about, I think, six sacks uh, on the year, or seven. So uh, there, there, there are threats on this defense, in that front seven especially, that could cause UCF problems. I think there are advantages in the secondary, even without Gabriel Davis, to exploit them that they could take advantage of. But, you know, we got to make sure that Dylan Gabriel has time to throw. Of course, Marshall's head coach is Doc Holliday is in his 10th season at Marshall. How about this? 7-0 and bowl record at Marshall. They have not lost a bowl game. Um, he comes under the Urban Meyer tree. 
Uh, and he's had a good success for it. He's a very good coach. Um, he's, you know, and, and Marshall, of course, won last year against South Florida at the Gasparilla Bowl. What's your thoughts on that? They're playing their second consecutive bowl game there. Uh, on the one hand, you would think they'd be excited and motivated because they're playing UCF. That's a great opportunity for them. On the other hand, I got to wonder if some of the players maybe are a little disappointed because, oh, well, we're back in Tampa here. Okay. All right. You know, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I was a little surprised they were selected to come back there. Uh, yeah, I don't know what all goes into that. But I do think because they are fight facing UCF and, and knowing what that, that brand means now and the opponent, that, that it doesn't matter where they're playing. They're, they're up to playing UCF. And I will say – the the fact that Marshall has not lost a bowl game was it eight? What did you say the record was? There are seven. They've won seven and zero under Doc Holiday in bowl games. This yeah, year, during his that's been brought up. That's been brought up by the players this week. I mean, so someone has told them about that. So I think again, it's, it's one. Of, it's another one of those tactics of here's why we can't overlook Marshall because this team knows how to win bowl games. Now again, I don't know what that means because these teams change year to year to year to year. But it's been stressed to them that Marshall knows how to win bowl games. They know they're undefeated in bowl games. So uh, I think that's something that, that UCF is using yet again as another another tool to stay up for this game. That's something. That, that's fun. So that's really been brought up, really. Be, yeah. End the streak? Are we are we trying to end the streak here? Man, people people like it. Not, so, not so much ending the streak. Just more about like, hey, you got to respect them because they always win in bowl games. <laughs> what? That's funny. Yeah. That is funny. <laughs> They're really good, guys. They've beaten some interesting teams. Um, Doc Holliday, by the way, was uh, an assistant under Urban Meyer at Florida from 2005 to 2007. Has ties to the state of Florida because of that. Um, in fact, I think I remember people would try to always float his name I think the last time the UCF head coaching job, I don't think he was he was not a, he was not a candidate, but people always like to float his name. Uh, but he's done a pretty good job there. Uh you know, he was uh, played at West Virginia, was a linebacker at West Virginia. And uh, so, you know, he's a good coach, though. And you're right. They'll be prepared. I think that's what the, the thing I take away from that bowl record is that they're going to be prepared. Usually, you know, and, and, and I think that's something to look at, Murph. How critical is the first quarter in this game? Uh, and, and maybe learning how, what where this game is going to be headed just from the standpoint of if you're Marshall, you want to set the tone, uh, set the tempo, get off to a great start, and maybe play UCF from their heels. And as you mentioned, if you're the Knights, if you get off to a fast start like you have in a lot of your home games, then that will take Mar- should take Marshall out of the game and, and you get your goal of that 10th win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, it is. It's, it's about that. It's about who can, who, who can get the game to the point of, of what they want, where they want it. UCF wants to get off fast. Uh, they, they want to, you know, put Marshall. They want to put Marshall to force them to throw it. Marshall, meanwhile, wants to again ground and pound you out. So they want to keep it close. You know, always keep it within seven and ten points at most. So yeah, it's it's of course you know the first quarter is, is critical. It's, it's it's an interesting style. It's an interesting uh, contrast in styles. Kickoff two thirty on ESPN Monday, as we mentioned there, uh, of course. Uh, should be in a, hopefully the weather will be okay. It's not going to be good uh, most of Sunday as we record this, and obviously or even early Monday there's going to be uh, rain in the in Orlando and yeah. possibly Tampa. Hopefully yeah. clears, but we'll see. It wouldn't be the first time UCF and Marshall may deal with bad weather. When we come back and wrap up this special edition of the bowl games, we'll make some uh, historical notes of some UCF Marshall games. Plus, is how important is this game for UCF? 
in the big picture as well as for the conference as we begin bowl season. That's all coming up as we wrap up this special edition of the Black and Gold Banneret. And welcome back. Final uh, segment here on the Black and Gold Banneret Bowl special. Eric Lopez alongside Brian Murphy. Brian up in Tampa. Uh, so UCF Marshall, how many – you were uh, you covered a couple of these UCF Marshall games, right? When you were at the future uh, at the time about a decade ago. Yeah, yeah. What, I do. I, I I did. What memories, if any, you stayed out? Were you were you at the Brett Hodges comeback game where UCF was down on that Sunday night? Uh, thank God we don't have Sunday night college football anymore. Uh, by the way, <laughs> uh, but they played Marshall in two thousand nine. They were down twenty to seven. Make it score a touchdown. It was misty rain uh, in the fourth quarter. They scored to make it twenty to fourteen. Marshall basically has, can win the game by running the clock out if they get a first down, which they did. Except they fumbled the ball. I think Ahmad Bradshaw fumbled, or one of the top backs for them fumbled the ball. UCF comes back. Hodges hits Rocky Ross uh, in the end zone with about a few seconds to go, and UCF pulls out a twenty-one twenty win. Uh, they would go on to win nine games, and of course end up playing at the St. Pete Bowl against Rutgers there for UCF. Marshall's season kind of went downhill from that moment on. That's one of the – I would say that game – there's three games that stand out, I think, when the UCF fans look back at the UCF-Marshall games from uh, the, the days. I think that game stands out. The 2005 game in the Citrus Bowl where UCF finally ended that long losing streak after going winless in 04. Uh, they stormed the field at the Citrus Bowl – I remember I was a student broadcaster there, and I remember the word spread out real quick. Hey, the goalpost is going to be at the pond on campus. And so everybody raced to on campus at the pond, and everybody was celebrating and got into the pond, and there was the goalpost there. I don't know where the goalpost ended up after that. I just remember everybody was celebrating because, hey, we won a football game. Can you imagine that now, Murph? People actually was just happy to win a football game back in the day, not like now where we get up, <laughs> where we, we get we, – the world flips out because we only won by 20. Um but that's probably the number one memory. And then a monsoon game uh, in 2011 where literally there was – it was supposed to be a tropical depression system or uh, a very uh, borderline system that was just pouring down rain. For whatever reason, we all decided to come to that game. Barely could see in the press box because it was pouring down rain. Brent Harvey and company, UCF won that game 16-6 and in the just a monsoon of a mess. If you Google it, you'll see the photos from it. It was just insane uh, deal there. But those are probably the three Marshall games that stands out to a lot of UCF fans. What stood out to uh, to you? Were you were you at the 09, as I asked earlier there? I was not. I had just graduated the the, the spring before, so uh, I was not at that game. I, I you know it's funny back in the C U S A days, I did make quite I did make quite a few road trips as a student journalist. To Wiggins. I, I went to Southern Mist. I went to UAB. I'm trying to think of the other places I went to as well. But I never made it up to Huntington. So I, I, I never did that. And oh, no. really for me, yeah, I'm sorry. It's a big loss. But for, but for me, uh, the one thing that obviously sticks out is the, is the, the, the streak snapping game in 05. Because I remember being there, sitting, uh, I think I was actually on the Marshall sideline of the Citrus Bowl. But I remember, I remember watching, I just, the one like the one memory I have of that game that's fresh in my mind is, is watching uh, people carry that goalpost past us down the sideline. And I was like, that, that's, this is wild. This is absolutely wild. And I think that might have been 2005. That might have been maybe my first or second UCF football game. Like, I know I, 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 I became a student in 2003, but 
I didn't really start following that closely until like 05. So yeah, I think that might have been the first second game I've ever been to a UCF game. Well, that's a pretty good game to be at. Um, knocking off the thundering herd and UCF would go on to play in the inaugural Conference USA Championship game in the Citrus Bowl, losing to Tulsa, played in the Hawaii Bowl, uh, where Matt Prater uh, missed the extra point in overtime after Brandon Marshall just beasted out and had a monster game. But uh, So there you go. Those are some of the notable Marshall games. I know Jeff alluded to this uh, the ep- a couple times where Matthew McConaughey was at the game in 06 promoting uh, We Are Marshall. Did you ever watch that movie? I did not, which is nuts because I am a huge, huge, huge movie fan. But uh, that didn't really start till like uh, 2000. Didn't start till recently. So yeah, I missed that one. I missed We Are Marshall. I really should go back. I really should go back and watch it. I mean that honestly. Well, it's too late now. You can't recap it for us here, and can give us a review on the show. I, I, I don't know. What am I even? What am I even good for? What, are, yeah, what am man, I good man. for? Man, um, but Matthew McConaughey was in the sideline when UCF won on a Torres field goal to win it up in Marshall. Um, it was kind of weird. Like Marshall definitely treated it like a try to make a big game and a rivalry out of it. The irony is, I would argue that the rivalry was really more intense on the basketball end when Donnie Jones left Marshall to come to UCF. That was that was that first two years was intense because Marshall fans were mad at Donnie Jones. You had the Marshall basketball head coach. He was kind of a whack job there. I mean, there was a game where I think he he actually faked getting run over by a player. He actually faked it. Trying to draw so Tom Heron, I think, was his name. It was just kind of crazy. The UCF Marshall games those years, those first couple of years when Donnie Jones was at UCF, that was kind of uh, intense. But here we are. They're going to be at the bowl game. How important is this in the big picture for UCF? Is this a big deal uh, at all? I know people, we, we always try to make a, a big deal. Well, this is important. Like, I don't buy that regardless of the result of this game, that that has any momentum or it has any factor going into the following season. And I'll use the example – of the of UCF playing in the Cure Bowl in 2016, they lost to Arkansas State. People were absolutely a, a, a dumbfounded by that. They thought that the program was not is it heading it. People were asking, was it heading in the right direction? Who's going to be our quarterback? Because it's certainly not going to be this Hawaiian kid, Mackenzie Milton, for freshman, who they just boot off the field uh, during that Cure Bowl because he struggled. He ain't going to, you know. Oh, my God, what's going to happen? Well, the following year, they went undefeated. Mackenzie Milton became a Heisman Trophy uh, top 10 finalist, basically. So spare me on the whole bowl game builds momentum into the next year. Am I am I being too harsh on that, or am I or am I accurate on that? No, you're right. That narrative is brutal. It doesn't make any sense uh, in any sport, by the way, like in any sport. It, it's, it's, all, it's all very convenient. Like, you know, if a team ends their season strong – you know, and then you go, oh, we'll carry it over to next year. And then they have a good year the following year. People will draw it back to that, that game from last season as if that mattered, as if, a, as if an entire year didn't, didn't come and go and things changed. So, no, I, I hate the narrative that ending a season strong helps you for next season because it doesn't make any sense. I, I think, you know, I've stated that the, the just the, I, I guess, just the, the look of having 10 wins, 10 wins, for three consecutive years, I think that does mean something in, in terms of you know which other programs have done that in the last three years, and it, it, those are those are the elite elite programs. So I, I think that's something that UCF has to play for in this game. And, and but to be honest, to be simple and and, and obvious, uh, they they're playing for a win. Who doesn't want to win? I mean, you want to win. You play to win the game, as someone said. So um, yeah, I think it, this is what would. Most of all, that's what it's about. 
It's not about winning for momentum for next season in every sport. That's that's asinine. Yeah, I, I agree, and I don't personally care. Like people, some people are like, "Man, we need to win this game so we can crack the top twenty-five to finish the year." That sounds great. That has no impact on next year. In fact, I don't think it impacts the preseason poll. I think if you look at the yeah. preseason poll in August, I think it's either going to be UCF and or Cincinnati that will be in the preseason top 25 when it comes to the American, regardless of what I mean, happens. What, what, what's going to have more impact on UCF's ranking next season? A win here or a miraculous recovery by McKenzie Milton that puts him back on the football, football field? Right. I think it will be McKenzie Milton. Heck, I don't think a lot of people yeah. will even remember this bowl game You know, a week from now. Uh, as far as non-UCF Marshall fans. Nobody, nobody will even notice. Um, and people will forget oh, by the no. time they vote the ballot. I'm like, hey, they beat Marshall. Let's put them in the top 25. Um, but it is what it is. Look, you got you're right, but it's better to win. Uh, this program has only won four bowl games. There's the list. They won the 2010 Liberty Bowl against a 6-6 six and six Georgia team that had A.J. Green allegedly partying up in Beale Street, which, you know, who could blame them? Um, you were at that, that game, was, right? That, were you that, at that, that game? Is that what happened? No, I was. I remember watching that game from home in California. So is that what happened in that game that Georgia couldn't score because AJ Green was having too much fun on Beale Street? That's the that was the word on the street. Get it? Word on the street. Wow. Oh, um, you know Georgia. Yeah, AJ Green did not obviously went on to the NFL. It's had a pretty good career. Uh, so that was UCF's first ever bowl win, by the way, this decade. Uh, then they followed it up with the what was called then I think the Beef O'Brady's Bowl at the Trop uh, when they beat Powerhouse Ball State. Uh, by two touchdowns. I remember watching that at a uh, sports bar because it was the day after my birthday. And I certainly wasn't, you know, and I was just celebrating the birthday. Uh, and then they beat, of course, the last two I think a few people know about. They beat Baylor in the Fiesta Bowl 2014, January 1 of 2014. And, of course, the Peach Bowl against uh, Auburn. Uh, more memorable. This one may not be as memorable, but still, uh, you know, you want to get, you know, tally up those bowl wins. Yeah. Well, it's funny, you know. I, I mean, I remember the, the Liberty Bowl win over over Georgia because probably because you know, let's be frank, it was Georgia. Uh, and yet, I do not remember at all. I, I don't. I don't remember at all them playing Ball State, much less beating them in the Bevo Brady's Bowl. I, I don't know if I even watched that game. I, maybe I did. Uh, but yeah, it's sort of like how it, it, it is what it is. Like you pay attention to the big bowl matchups against the Power Five conference teams and. You sort of you know, clear space when you when when you don't play those teams, and we, we've talked about that often with these players. Is are they at all disappointed uh, that they they don't get a chance to play an ACC team in this in this bowl or anything like that? And they've all said the right thing about no, you know, we don't care who we play, you know, all that good stuff. But the fans probably certainly do, and uh, at least for me, speaking as a fan, you know, for the past uh, fifteen years or so. Uh, it, it is pretty amazing how, like, oh yeah, I can definitely remember the big bowl games. Um, you know, I remember when they played Mississippi State, and and cowbells were deafening. Uh, I remember when they played Georgia. I remember when they played, you know, obviously the Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl, which I was at. But uh, do not remember Ball State, and I really, you know, I mean, I mean, I remember when they played Rutgers. I remember we made we made Muhammad Sanu. Muhammad Sanu looked like the best receiver in the nation. But I think I remember that more because at that point, Rutgers was was a, it was a big name program for us to be facing Rutgers. Uh, but Ball State does not uh, did did not um, sell as well, and I I fear this might be the same thing. Right. I mean, this kind of feels like and look when you go back to back New Year's Six bowl games, it was gonna be you were gonna you were gonna you didn't make it back. 
it's going to be a drop-off. So that's why it's funny. I mean, we've criticized the bowl setup for the American, and, you know, rightfully so. They should do better bowl games. That being said, I also think we've gotten carried away with it. Like, we're going to act like, hey, if we're in the Liberty Bowl, we're excited. Uh, nothing's going to compare to the Peach Bowl or a Fiesta Bowl. So, you know, some people are like, oh, it's a shame because it's it's either New Year's Six or bust. Well, in reality, that is the way it is. Um, that's not going to change even if you upgrade your bowl game. That's going to be and, – and it's a credit to the program to the point where I think UCF, and I'm going to defend the fans here, they have been had so much success. We've had so much success that it is kind of New Year's Six or bust. That's no different than the big – you know, at Alabama, which is national title or bust, or Clemson, national title or bust, or uh, things like right. that. That's just – you may not like it, but that's reality, and – Moving forward, and I think it's – I understand it for UCF fans. It's like, hey, it's New Year's Six or bust because we've been there now. They've been there uh, three times this last decade. Yeah, and certainly you go into this season with the, the expectation that that's what's going to happen again. I mean, we all did it here at Black and Gold Band Red. We all thought they were going to the Cotton Bowl. Not, not a single one of us picked them to go anywhere else, even, with, uh, even though we didn't even know how good Dylan Gabriel would be at that point. You know, they did not meet expectations. However, I do think there's a difference between not meeting expectations and then having a bad season. I do not think this is a bad season. Uh, if your bad seasons are nine and four, ten and three, uh, then then you're you're living right. Uh, again, I, I I cannot write this off as like they really you know let us down this year. Like if this is as bad as it gets and they rebound next year, then what are we complaining about? Yeah, you can be disappointed but still have a good season. There's a difference between that and, oh, my God, the program in, is in trouble. Fire the coach. Um, yeah. Which, you know, that's always the extreme. You always got to keep that in mind. It's the extreme people there. Well, it's uh, funny when you're on Twitter as much as I am how much that extreme becomes the norm. Oh, tell me <laughs> about it, dude. You have no idea. I mean, you should have – I mean, I'm just – I couldn't. I mean, I, I'm not even going to get into it. But you know, the the, <laughs> the Oklahoma men's basketball game. I mean, there's still people out there that are critical of Johnny Dawkins' every move, which is just get a life. Like, man, like seriously. Yeah, like, that mean really unbelievable. We'll get into that in a future episode. Um, so that's the story. By the way, UCF, of course, as mentioned, you mentioned that Rutgers game ten years ago. Mohamed Mohamed Sanu, Tom Savage was the quarterback. I think Devin McCourty played on that. That was a pretty good Rutgers roster if you look wow. back on that. Yeah, uh, Greg Schiano did a hell of a job, and he's back at Rutgers now. So we'll see. Good luck with that. Now he's in a different. <laughs> he's not in the Big East anymore. He's in the Big Ten. Um, but that was played at the Trop. UCF lost that game. They beat Ball State at the Trop in 2012. Then lost to NC State in 2014. At the trop, I don't know what I think it was the Bitcoin Bowl or whatever. Uh, a quarterback yeah. by the name of Jacoby Brissett lit up mm. UCF and was the uh, player there, there that was the best player on that field that night when NC State knocked off UCF in the uh, bowl game. So this is a fourth time that UCF's kind of played. The difference is this one is at Raymond James Stadium, not at the trop. Uh, you have to be happy about that. As much as a diehard baseball fan as you are, Murph, I don't think you're bummed out that this bowl game got moved from the Trop to Raymond James, right? I guess not. I I kind of still would have liked to go. I mean, wow. I, I'll say this. Uh, no, I'll say this. I would like to be in the Trop because not because I love the Trop because I don't, but any any part where there's baseball in my life, then I feel good. However, I will say this: Raymond James is literally across the street from George Steinbrenner Field, which uh, I drove past yesterday. So maybe after this game ends and I get out of this press box around, I don't know, seven or eight, maybe I'll walk over past across the street and uh, and just, just take a look at maybe where I'll be come March 
once we're once we got pitchers and catchers reporting. Get your spot ready. Get your tickets ready. That's get right. Garrett Cole there. I'm uh, camping out. Get the Garrett Cole debut up there at Steinbrenner Field. Uh, I'm quite familiar with that area. It's a very nice area. Yeah. How important is this uh, for UCF to win for the conference? Uh, that's one of the things people tend to make a big deal out of it. I'm not one of them, but I'm in the minority, I feel like, because people always talk about how a conference does in bowl uh, in the bowl season. Uh, a league you're very familiar with, the Pac-12, has been crushed and probably has a negative media perception in part because of how bad the Pac-12 has been in bowl season. I think they were like 1-7 or something like that last year or so. Um, they've been bad in – you know, the American, a lot of fans, and that's the other, uh, you, you mentioned Twitter, a lot of fans now, that it's they get all mad every time a new TV deal is reported in the conference. Like, well, you know, well, we're a power cop. We're better than this league. We're better than that league. But the American has actually struggled in bowl season. Now, the good news for the American is people kind of forget that as long as your conference champion wins the New Year's Six. Like, the American was not a very right. – did not have a good bowl season in 2017, but nobody remembers that because UCF beat Auburn. Uh, the Pac-12 does not have that luxury. Nobody – you know, that deal. That being said, how important is it considering the fact and we'll get through. We'll go through some of these other American uh, tie-ins with the bowl games. The fact that SMU got absolutely destroyed in Boca at the Boca Raton Bowl by FAU, fifty-two to twenty-eight by the Owls. They're, so the league is off to an zero and one start. How important is it for the UCF to contribute to the league and for the league to get UCF to win here and have a good bowl season to build on momentum after a really good regular season? Well, in terms of SMU and FAU, nobody cares. Nobody cares. That will be forgotten. It doesn't matter. That's something you forgot. Uh, neither team. I mean, really, doesn't you forgot to show up? Um, you know, UCF. It's probably still. It, it, it's still important to the conference as a whole because UCF is still your flagship program in football. So even though Memphis had the better year, and for sort of Cincinnati winning the division, uh, you you still want UCF to win because when people think about American conference football right now, they think about UCF. So they really drive the ship. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it's really about how do you match up against the quote-unquote big schools that you're trying to fight to be a part of. So, you know, Memphis has to be Penn State. Who is Cincinnati playing in the Birmingham Bowl, Eric? Who is? Cincinnati, you said? Yes, Cincinnati Boston and the Birmingham College, Bowl. Boston College, an old Big East rivalry renewed. I mean, you know, again, it's still, you know, it's still a hit ACC. And, and, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, Boston College is awful, but if Cincinnati win that game, it's, it's probably means something because you got Power Five versus Super Five. It's about, those are more important than, than, oh, no, SMU lost to FAU. Oh, my heaven. Like, nobody cares. And, you know, UCF losing here would be bad, obviously, but it only insofar as that UCF is still the name. That people associate associate most with the, with American Dom football. That's all. And I know that some people get offended by this statement because this was a very hot topic a couple of years ago and the Peach Bowl and things. But a lot of these bowl games, it comes down to motivation, right? Like, I, I let's be honest, SMU was probably not excited. They had a great year, and they probably were like, "Really, we're going to be in Boca Raton, like playing FAU?" I probably weren't that interested in that game, and I think the score showed that. Absolutely. Um, I Absolutely. Mean, and look, and I was there when UCF played Arkansas State. Arkansas State clearly was happy to be there. They were the ones that were was motivated to be in that game. UCF was like, yeah, all right, whatever. 
So I do, I do buy into that. I know people get a, it's a sensitive topic because that was obviously brought up a lot about Auburn and their motivation in the Peach Bowl. But I do think that plays a role in a lot of these bowl games and, and whether a team is motivated or not. And I think that is an underlining storyline. I go full circle here in this Marshall game for UCF. I think if they're motivated, if they come ready to play, in my opinion, I think they win this game by three scores. It could be dramatic. It could be a, a bad beat situation in that 17-point margin where there's a touchdown either way in the final seconds that either covers the spread or doesn't cover the spread, But uh, which is kind of what I'm rooting for from a bad, you know, because I want to be on bad beat as much as possible because it's one of the best TV segments of the in sports right now. But motivation's a big factor here, Murph. And then, you know, that's we'll, – you'll know – I think we'll know there early as well going back to the first quarter if this team is interested or not in this bowl game against Marshall, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, and we've talked about, you know, the, the, the threads that UCF is holding on to here as motivation about, you know, 10 wins. And, you know, you got to respect Marshall because they're really good in bowl games and all this other stuff, you know, play, you know, you know finishing on a good note for next year and uh, all, you know, it's all these things. Yeah, and they're using these to try to get themselves pumped up. And hopefully you, you hope. That in the end, talent wins out. Talent wins out. Even the guys that are sitting out this game for UCF, UCF should still win this game. Um, but that's why motivation and sports psychology is, is a is a wonderful thing because it, it sometimes it doesn't matter how talented you are; it's about how hard you work at it and and who wants it more, right? So, I, I think UCF was trying to guard against that sort of letdown. I, I think that's why we're talking about these sort of things about like. Well, they know what Marshall's bowl record is. But I think they they're, they're being told this so they know, as a reminder, like guys, we can't just sleepwalk through this one. So uh, we'll see. I'm interested. I would not take UCF minus sixteen. I certainly wouldn't do that. But uh, we'll see what happens. Stay away. Stay away. Stay away. Um, other quick notes. We're going to go through some other bowl games involving American Conference teams. Just give me your quick thoughts here. Quick hits here. Uh, the Military Bowl on December 27th in Annapolis. Temple, you mentioned it. They're going to play a power uh, team. They're going to play North Carolina. Mac Brown, uh, the ACC. I think this is interesting because Temple, obviously, in UCF's division. Uh, and then North Carolina, that's who UCF's going to open with here in the 2020 yeah. season. And they're phenomenal quarterback. People talk about Dylan Gabriel as far as the phenomenal freshman year he had. A lot of people probably think the best freshman quarterback out there is Sam Howell in North Carolina. We could have uh, either way. Uh, I think that some UCF fans might be interested in that from that standpoint. Yeah, I think it's a game you should watch if you're a UCF fan, just to see what what North Carolina looks like. Because, like you said, uh, a lot of that coming, a lot of that what you see there is coming back next year too. And you know, it's the bowl game that I, I think uh, you know that we all thought at one point UCF would go to, and we kind of wanted to go to because it would be it would mean ATC opponent. But uh, you understand why they didn't do that, not only due to geography reasons, but because yeah, UCF can see this North Carolina team here in about nine months. So. Uh, but it's, again, but that's important for Temple to win because it is another G five versus P five game. Yeah, no, it really is, and uh, that'll be interesting to see how that one plays itself out uh, from a bowl game standpoint. I think that you're right. I think there might be a little extra few extra eyeballs, a little scouting <clears throat> to get a taste of what might come. Obviously, Memphis will be in the Cotton Bowl on December twenty twenty eighth against number ten ranked Penn State. No Mike Norville. Mike Norville now at Florida State. He's not doing a Scott Frost. <laughs> He's uh, out getting to building a staff at FSU. They promoted their uh, their interim coach. I think he's going to be their head coach full-time there uh, for Memphis. Your thoughts on that one? 
just the the promotion or the or the, or the game itself? Both. I mean, I was kind of surprised, right? Like, I mean, you know, because there was a lot of talk about who would be the head coach doing a national search, and they just kept it from within, uh, going in that route. I think it, you know, it's, it's, I, don't we know that Norvell wanted to coach that game, and then and then FSU just wouldn't let him and. I, I, is that, am I wrong there? It feels like Norvell wanted to be to be at that game, right? I think from what I read, it was kind of like, yeah, if you want to coach, that's fine, but we really need you here to fix all this. And I think, yeah. you know, Memphis, I think they kind of wanted to move on as well a little bit, at least the administrative side. Uh, Maybe. So who knows, you know. I think Scott, I, I think Scott Frost does not, does not get enough credit for coaching that bowl game. And yes, I know him and the staff. They had to negotiate to make sure that the staff was taken care of. Wait, why not? You, you should make sure you get taken care of. Uh, but I don't think he gets enough credit for that uh, coming back because I, I don't believe UCF wins that bowl game with an interim coach. And actually, they probably I don't even know who would have been the. I mean, I guess Troy Walters would have been the interim coach for that bowl game. Uh, I, I that's why yeah. I don't think Memphis. Now it's interesting. We'll, we'll see how Memphis comes out. They'll be ready. They'll be motivated. Uh, but I do wonder if you know. Like, who's going to call the plays with no Mike Norville? I mean, Mike Norville, the reason he's at Florida State was he's of his offensive mind, right? Mm, yeah. Uh, and so, well, getting back to the game, too, this is the most important game for the conference. And it, I mean, but every game that's the New Year's Day six game for the ACC is the most important game in the conference. AAC is the most important game in the AAC. Because it, it, this, is, this is the one that's going to be watched the most. This is the highest, you know, uh, the most marquee matchup. It means the most in terms of cash flow. Uh, and so, yeah, you have to win this game. And I don't think Memphis will. <laughs> but I, 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 it's a game that, that you need to win the most. Uh, if UCF, I think UCF is probably second on that list because it is UCF. Um, but, but, yeah, this is the game you have to win. Ryan Silverfield, which the name was blocking me. That's why I was pausing because I was trying to remember his name. Ryan Silverfield is the new Memphis head coach. Uh, being promoted yeah. there. He'll be coaching the Cotton Bowl. Good for him. You mentioned it earlier. Cincinnati, Boston College, Birmingham, Legion Field. That's got a lot of ugliness written all over that, right? God, it's got – yeah, it's got it's got ugly. It is ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, – like if we did an unwatchables list, that's like very – like if you're, watch, if you're watching that game, you probably have a bet on that game, and if you do, you need a life, right? I mean, that's one of those – What's the date? What's the date and kickoff time for that one? I believe it's January second. I believe. Oh, just a really lovely Birmingham day there. I mean, oh, boy. I know you're. I know you were counting. You know, you're looking like, oh no, Birmingham. You know, that's Legion Field, which yeah. probably should still not be standing as a you know a stadium, but uh, you know, it's or I hope they did renovations. It certainly was. You know, not the most exciting uh, place to be at when I was there a few years back. So, uh, but hey, you know, somebody's got to play in it, I guess. Uh, so we'll see on that uh, in that regard. So I think those are the marquee games as far as conference teams are. Uh, post Navy's in the Liberty Bowl. Um, your thoughts on them in the Liberty Bowl? Who are they facing? I was waiting for that. Stuff. That was great. We, we, nobody remembers these bowl games. Uh, that's good. I, I'm I'm searching that right. Yeah. No one does. No one does. Kansas State. They're playing Kansas State. I mean, it's again. That's New Year's Eve, Merv. I know you were going to, you know, New Year's Eve. Come on. We know we're going to watch that game together after you see a basketball. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to rush home so I can watch that one. Look, but it's the same thing as Cincinnati Boston College. Like, yeah, the matchup's not that entertaining. 
or captivating, but it's still G5, P5. This is like the whole narrative of like what they want to be. So you got to win. You got to win these games. I mean, again, that's why nobody cares about SMU losing to FAU. Like nobody cares about SMU, period. They're, they're an also wow. ran in this conference. Wow. They're an also ran. They're an also, you know, they are. So it doesn't matter that they lost. By the way, good thing they put three NFL, NFL games on Saturday so that no one really knew that game was probably on. I was one of them. Yeah, that's correct. I watched the NFL games. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, by the way, Tulane will also be playing in the Armed Forces Bowl, or not, yes, against Southern Miss. That'll be on January Nobody 4th. Cares. <laughs> uh, Nobody the cares. Birmingham Bowl, as I mentioned, was on January 2nd. All right, let's move on. You speak. Good segue, Murph. You've learned NFL. Let's move on. Lastly. Uh, the game will be played at Raymond James Stadium on Monday for UCF here as they take on Marshall. Uh-huh. I expect some NFL guys to be on that uh, in that sidelines there. Brashad Perriman, who's been a nice story in the NFL uh, for UCF fans. I mean, he's and I'm happy for him. I've gotten to know, I've known Brashad for a while. Covered him obviously. It's kind of you know it was a first round pick for the Ravens. Hadn't panned out. Has been on multiple teams and really probably co- playing for his career NFL career. Has had a nice stretch here the last few games. Caught over, had over 100 yards in the game against Houston. Had a monster game in the win against Detroit, and has taken advantage of the injuries to Mike Evans and Godwin and company. Uh, he's had a nice run, and I, I, I expect Perriman to be at this game on Monday there for probably representing the black and gold, right? Yeah, I, uh, I would, I would hope so. Maybe at least be on the sidelines. And on the other sideline, you should have Perriman's offensive coordinator, correct? You should have Byron Leverage at this game. Correct. Yeah, you got you got you got Byron Leftwich, by the way, the former great Marshall quarterbacks, the office co- uh, coordinator for the Buccaneers. I expect him to be on the Thundering Herd sideline, right? Coming back in there. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's a Monday, so I mean, I'm trying to think of other. I think uh, I don't think I think those are the only ties that the Bucks have to this bowl game, as far as UCF and uh, Marshall is concerned. Wait, well, you, you don't think the Texans let Jordan Aiken stay behind? <laughs> No, no, I don't think that uh, will be the case uh, on that. But you never know. Um, maybe A.J. Bouye comes over, you know, Jacksonville. You know, it's not that far of a drive. Maybe he flips over there. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, you know, I thought I thought about maybe Jameis Winston might hang out with Perriman at the bowl game, but then I, I think his pass, uh, his, uh, pa- his pass credential to get on the sideline there got intercepted. So. Oh, but I've done it, yeah. Easy, go. easy joke. Easy joke there. All right, uh, Merv, last thoughts here as we wrap this up here, as we get set UCF Marshall here. Your final thoughts on this? I think, what was my prediction for this game? I think I, I wrote on uh, an article that's coming out later for Black and Gold Bannerette. I believe I had this at 35-24, which is the under, and definitely under the minus 16 line. Um, I, I just think, you know, I can't judge motivation. I can't you know, judge if this team's going to be up for this game or not. I can just look at the pieces that are on the field and even accounting for the guys whom we've talked about that probably will not play in this game. Well, I, 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 I use the word probably only to cover my ass in the 0.001% chance that any of these guys play. But, you know, Gabe Davis, Adrian Killens, Brendan Hayes, and Mel Clark, um, you know, even without them, you said still the better team here. Still, there's still the more talented team here. And they should win this game. That's, that's all I could think. I and mean, if they lose this game, we'll deal with that on next week's podcast. We'll probably be in a bomb shelter somewhere. Evading the evading the Twitter fire. But, uh, but no, they should win this game. I just do not see them winning this game by such a huge margin. 
Yeah, if they lose that game, um, yeah, Twitter will be on fire uh, Monday night. And I will be at a Magic yeah. Bulls game, which will probably be the safest place to be at, working that game. Yeah. You are on the honor, yeah, you'll be dealing true. with that. Uh, so we'll see. I, I agree. I think UCF's the better team. I think they win this game. Who knows the margin? Um, yeah, I think you're right. I, I What is it, 16 you said? 16, 17? Six, yeah, it's, six, it's down to 16. It dropped a point. So money's been going on Marshall. Okay, well, that's interesting. Um, over, over under 61 and a half. Yeah, I kind of try to stay away from betting on bowl games. Just because you just don't know. You're 18 to 22 year olds. You have no idea where their mindset's going to be and things like that. So yeah. I think uh, the only thing I know is Vegas is usually pretty good in, fit in nailing the number. So I wouldn't be shocked if the game ends up around that number 16, 17, 20 point margin uh, or 14 point wow. margin. I would not be surprised uh, that mm-hmm. one bit. Hopefully it's a good one. Uh, hopefully people show up, right? Right? We haven't really heard anything on that front. No no bragging no bragging from either side. Marshall or UCF about their ticket allotment sales, but uh hey, we'll see. What, what I think I, I wrote down today I wrote, I I pick I said I was gonna pick five random numbers. Uh under uh, no, I was gonna pick five uh five digit number under forty thousand. And I think I ended up with like twenty four thousand eight thirty eight. And if you said, Well, how did you come to that number? I go. I closed my eyes and I just tapped on the keyboard, making sure the first number was below four, and otherwise everything else was what was was what happened. So twenty four eight thirty eight, lock it in. Is that your announced crowd or the actual people that show up? Oh, that's definitely the announced okay. crowd. I'm right. going the announced crowd. Yes, yeah. The, the the show up is not known. That's not going to be anywhere. I like this. Now you've got me in suspense. Like you now know you have to tweet out when they announce the number. Now this is this is big. I mean. I'm going to go – we'll play this because this might be more interesting in the game. I will go 22,053 22, people. It's like the price like is right. That's right. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, well, I'll go 2254. <laughs> <laughs> over under the actual attendance, I think it's 15,000 for the record. Um, I think it's over that. I think it's going to be over that. I think it's going to be less than 20,000, but I think it'll be over that. I think it'll be somewhere in the 17, 18. Hey, that's more than many of the South Florida games, so they should be happy about that. Uh, (laughs) Well, apparently, I mean, this is is their town, so they say. So, you know, they'll bring out out their fans. Kickoff 2.30 on ESPN. Roy Philpott, Kenny Stauffer, and Lauren Sizzler will have the television call. On ESPN at 2.30, it's the lead-up to NFL countdown for the big Packers-Vikings game. So uh, that should be fun on television. Of course, the radio online on, on 96.9, the game. Mark Daniels, Gary Paris, Scott Adams. Well, and uh, I don't know, is Doosable going to be there? Leger, Doosable, I got to believe he'll be at the bowl game. So I'm going to just assume he's there. Yeah. Even though I, I haven't, of course, I have not, as we record, I've not looked at the game notes. So uh, I apologize. If, uh, but he should be. It's Tampa. Why not? Um yeah. So they're all going to be yeah. – all, all that matters is Brian Murphy's going to be there, Murph. Tell the audience uh, where they can find you on Twitter because you're going to be tweeting during the game and then after the game and all the coverage from Raymond James. Oh, yeah, at Spokes underscore Murphy, if you didn't know already. Uh, most, you know, But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I just hope no one gets hurt. We know what happened last time Utah was in the stadium. Uh, the program trajectory changed forever. Uh, so just no one gets hurt, have a clean game, and uh, hopefully UCF wins. And if they don't, I- I'm gonna need some like some like protective gear to get out of Raymond James alive, or at least have my car not be pounded by rocks 
as I as I drive off in the 275. So well, your phone and, and social media, you might want to <laughs> uh, you might want to stay away. Mute. Um, you know, be, be just saying. Uh, should be fun. All right, Murph. Uh, have a great time over there, sir. Uh, we look forward to the coverage there, and uh, be safe out there. Thank you, sir. That's Brian Murphy in Tampa. He'll be at the Gasparilla Bowl. I'm Eric Lopez. We hope you've enjoyed this special bowl edition of the Black and Gold Banneret podcast previewing UCF. Marshall, check us out at blackandgoldbanneret.com for all the coverage of the bowl game and the postgame coverage. We'll have instant reactions. Uh, who knows what else? I think Jeff said if he's healthy enough, if he's recovered uh, from the volleyball season ending, he might do some postgame show uh, following the bowl game. Just follow us on Twitter. And uh, we'll have all the details on that. we got some great content coming up on Banneret. Basketball season, getting ready for conference play. Again, New Year's Eve against Temple. And then we're going to do some all-decade UCF sports team stuff content as well on the Banneret. So for Brian Murphy in Tampa, I'm Eric Lopez. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Black and Go Banneret.